you will, if you'll take your Bible, if you have a physical Bible, pull it out. If you have it on your phone, great, look it up on the app. Or I have the scripture for you on the screen to make it easy for you if you don't have any of those. So today we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to be starting in verse 1. It says, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. Let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Would you join me as we pray? Father... I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you, God, that you speak to us. And God, I pray that you would let our ears and our hearts be open to all that you have to say to us today. I pray that we would speak your words, God. We worship you in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, how fitting is this scripture for today? Some of you might be like, well, what is today? Well, today in our world, it is what would be considered Halloween, or some might call trick-or-treat, some beggar's night, whatever. For most of us, it's probably just October 31st. I mean, that's what it is to me. However, we are participating and getting to throw a party tonight, and I'm so excited for that. But what is awesome for us as Christians is that we are not those who walk in darkness. And today really resembles darkness in a lot of ways. But instead, the Bible tells us that we are children of the light. But what exactly does that mean? How does that change how we live? It's not just about like a day like today. It's about every day. That we're not people walking around in darkness without knowing what's to come. It says that we know what's to come because we're children of the light. Unlike those who walk in darkness and will be surprised when Jesus returns, we will never be caught off guard because we walk in the light. Because we choose each day to follow Jesus that we're going to live in a way that's pleasing to him, that we're fully surrendered to him, worshiping him, and living out the things that he has us to do each and every day. So this time of year, time of year being fall, and where it starts to get a little cooler and the weather changes, you know, we've just spent all summer long wearing t-shirts and shorts and dresses and tank tops and sandals, right? Well, this time of year always brings about a challenge to me as a parent, and I don't know for any of you as parents if you deal with this. If not, then please give me your tips. But for me, this is a time of year where I tell my kids, hey, it's getting a little chilly out there. You might want to put on some pants instead of shorts. Or maybe you should put on a jacket, bring a sweatshirt, something. Like, it's 50 degrees out there. It means when we come home from church on Wednesday night, it's probably going to be 40 degrees out. And it's probably going to be raining because that's just what happens at this time of year. And then we get into winter where then it's even colder. And you would think then we would have learned our lesson because we went through fall. No, no, it's still, I can't wear pants because I'm so hot. I can't put on a jacket. It's hot. What happens if I run around? Like, sorry, that's how my kids sound to me when they talk to me. Um, but you know what? As a parent, that's just a battle that I have chose not to fight because I don't need to. What's 
the worst that happens. Maybe they get a cold or something or their legs are cold. Like they're going to be fine. So I choose not to fight that battle with them. Probably sneak a pair of pants in the car with me or like an extra jacket just in case to be able to be like, yeah, I told you so when they come to me saying that they're freezing. But one thing that I will fight for is what we wear spiritually. And that's something that I will, the battle that is worth fighting and something that I want to be sure that they are fitted with and that I am fitted with each and every moment. To be dressed for battle, you have to have on the right armor. You need to be wearing the right piece of clothing to be fitted for that battle. So today we're going to take a look, like I said, not at the coming of Jesus, but how do we prepare ourselves for the coming of Jesus? How do we find ourselves walking in the light, not walking in darkness, not being surprised when he returns because we're already prepared for him? In our passage today, verse 8 says, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. In the Passion Translation, it says we must be alert and clear-headed. So to be sober would mean to be alert and clear-headed, that there's nothing blocking our ability to think and to react the way that we should. So how do we do that? Well, it goes on to say, by placing the breastplate of faith and love over our hearts and a helmet of the hope of salvation over our thoughts. So what does that mean? Like we don't have physical armor like the, the Apostle Paul was alluding to here. He wasn't saying to actually like put on a breastplate and a helmet and therefore you will be ready for Jesus to come back. Like we're not just a bunch of people wearing armor. But his point was, was if we put these things on spiritually, then how will that help us to be ready for Jesus to come back? So the first thing that we have to recognize we need to put on is the breastplate of faith and love. So what does, that, what does that mean? So I wish that I had some armor to put on for you to be able to demonstrate this to you. However, probably would have looked a little ridiculous. I thought about it. I looked it up on Amazon, and it just wasn't worth the price to this morning. So sorry you don't get to see that. But the breastplate basically went from, like, your neck down to your thighs. And so that would be covering, like, this whole part of your body, which is pretty important, right? It's, it's where all of your organs are, but especially it's where your heart is. If the heart isn't working properly, then your body isn't going to be fueled with what it needs to be able to do its job. So if your heart gets wounded, if your heart is weak, if it's damaged, like if you think about that's why we run or why we should run. I don't, but I should. But it's because it helps your heart, right? Helps keep it beating, keep it pumping, having the blood flow through your body because you need that in order to be fueled properly. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, To keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. In the NIV, it says to guard your heart. The heart has great value, so it has to be protected. So just like physically, the soldiers would want to protect their heart in battle, we must protect our heart in the spiritual. It says to be careful to guard your heart. Guarding against a hard heart, against a bitter heart, a hurt heart. It's easy to become guarded when people hurt us. But to guard our heart doesn't mean that we're to be guarded. It mean, and doesn't mean to keep people at a distance. It doesn't mean to say, well, you hurt me, so I can't have you close to me. It actually is meaning that we have to be vigilant in where our affections are. So it's not in protecting really what people say or what people do, 
It's protecting where we put our affection. Where is our trust? Where is our hope? Where are we putting our faith in? How do we guard our heart? Well, we put our faith in God, right? Not people. Because people will hurt you. People will treat you poorly. People will do those things because that's humanity. But we put our faith in God. We can trust him. It also says, so we put on faith in God. We also put in lo- on love for each other. That's how we guard our heart, how we protect our heart from being bitter, hard, and wounded. But we have to put it on. It's a conscious choice. It's something we have to decide that we do. Like we don't just drag around our armor like this is good enough. If I have it down here and the arrow comes or someone comes swinging, hopefully they hit what's out here. Well, they're aiming for your heart. The enemy is ready to take out your heart because that's where the wellspring of life comes from. It's a choice to trust Jesus and to love people even when we don't want to and even when it's hard. You have to say, it doesn't matter. I'm going to put this on. I'm going to walk in trust. I'm going to walk in love. COVID, that's a season we're walking in right now, right? It's brought out like the best in people and really most of the time the worst in people. We've seen people be unkind. We've seen people just judgmental. You know, people don't look at each other in the grocery store. Like, you're like, oh, you don't have a mask on. I can't talk to you. Or you do have a mask on. Why are you wearing a mask, right? We don't treat each other with kindness. It's brought out a lot of the worst in people. So when Chris had COVID a couple months ago now, uh, I saw some of the most beautiful representations of the body of Christ come out. And it was so neat to see the church pull together. I saw people who I hadn't talked to in years, who I barely even knew, reaching out to me and saying, hey, I want you to know we're praying for you. Hey, is there anything we can do for you? And I knew they meant it genuinely, not just in the like, yeah, I'll pray for you. Like, I'll throw up a prayer. No, I'm talking to more and more people who are saying, no, we were asking the Lord each and every day for him to heal Chris and to bring him home. I saw beauty in that, and it was amazing. But you know what? I also saw some of the worst in people. I saw people gossip about one another. I saw people blame other people. I saw people be unkind and unfair. And that hurts. So we can see the best in people and the worst in people. In that time, my faith personally was tested. Like, I'm sitting there asking the Lord, like, God, you can heal him. Why do you not just take it away and make everything better? Why did it take eight days for us to then see that turnaround. And I remember asking God, I mean, honestly, I was at some points begging God, God, just bring him home. Like, don't let him end up on a ventilator. Don't let this happen. And praying and believing in faith that God would move while simultaneously sitting there wondering, but what if he doesn't? You know? To be in that place where you're just not sure, but that doesn't mean you don't have faith. But it does mean there are times that that is tested and really you have the choice of am I going to put on that armor? Am I going to allow the things people say or do to affect me and wound me and cause me to not love and care for people? Am I going to say, well, God, you didn't do it the way I wanted so I don't have faith to trust you anymore. No, I had to choose God, you are who you say you are, and I love people because you love me, and I have faith in you because you've never let me down, and you're not going to do it now, and even if, you, even if it feels like you do, you haven't, and I can trust you. 
It's in moments like that, and your moments are going to look different than mine. That's just my most recent moment. It's the rawest part of me right now. But we have to choose every day to be fitted with that because otherwise when those circumstances come, we will crumble. You'll find yourself not having faith and not having love for people because you weren't ready for those attacks to come. Heart work is hard work, but it's worth it to walk in faith and love. And it's worth it every time to make that choice and to make that decision. The second thing that, we, that it tells us to put on, so we put on faith and love. We also have to put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. So our heart matters, but then it's also saying that our mind matters, right? So it's putting on the helmet. And this was designed to where if the enemy took, you know, the sword and hit you, then, well, you weren't done for right away, you know. It was there to protect you. So the brain, just like the heart, the, the heart puts the blood through your body. Well, your brain tells your body what to do. And so it would be said that the brain is to the body what our mind is to our soul. So why is our mind important? Well, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Those who walk in darkness think they will find their peace and security in all the wrong things. But we know that our peace comes from the Lord. And if our peace comes from the Lord, well, then our minds have to be fixed on him. We have to protect our minds so that we can walk in that peace. If we look to money, if we look to the government, if we, if we look to how many friends we have or how many likes we have on social media, then every time we're going to be sorely disappointed because those things come and they might feel like peace for a moment. It might feel like, oh, I have security because I have this, but it will quickly vanish because it's not lasting. That's not where our true peace and security comes from. It only comes through Jesus, and that comes through our salvation. You see, our salvation isn't just a moment where we lay everything at the foot of the cross, and that's it. Now, congratulations, we live for eternity with Jesus, which is great. It's what, again, Pastor Chris talked about last week. If the only experience you ever have with Jesus is laying your sins at the foot of, cro of the cross and him forgiving you, and then you, you die the next day and spend eternity with Jesus, praise God, because eternity is bigger than we could ever imagine. You know, we think a year was long. You think the year 2020 was long? Eternity is like that forever, you know, not, not 2020 forever, but you know what I mean. We get to be with Jesus, so it's not like that at all. But the, the time, like we can't comprehend what eternity looks like because we can only see what we have here and now. But, it, but salvation wasn't only for eternity. Salvation was also for us now, to live with now in our everyday life. If we can understand our salvation is a blessing that we get to live under, then we get to enjoy a vibrant life. A vibrant life doesn't mean a life without any pain. It doesn't mean a life without anything going wrong or anything happening that we wouldn't like. But it does mean that our, our mindset can shift our perspective can shift because we know that we have Jesus and he's walking with us he's living with us we can enjoy it Romans 8 verse 13 which I took this out earlier apparently okay um Romans chapter 8 verse 13 through 17 it says for if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live 
For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness in our spirit, with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. See, when we understand the inheritance we have as children of God through salvation, it will change our thinking because we will recognize our value as children of God. You are literally an heir to the throne. Every bit of what Jesus has access to, we do as well. And that's what we get to live in and live under in salvation. You are of high value. Think for a minute of something that maybe is of value to you, something that you own or something that you have that would be valuable. When I think about it, the first thing I think of is my wedding ring. So when Chris and I were first married, and I want to give a disclaimer, I, I do not say that you should not have renter's insurance or whatever. I am just saying this is my story, so I'm telling it. When we were first married, we didn't have a whole lot of money, and we were renting a house, and, you know, they tell you you should have renter's insurance. That way, if anything happens to the house or anybody steals anything or whatever, then it's covered. Well, you didn't have to have it, and so it was kind of one of those, like, I don't have anything really valuable that really matters. If somebody takes it, well, oh, well, it doesn't really matter anyway. The only thing that did matter was my wedding ring. We were like, well, if someone steals that, well, that would be bad. So, because it matters a lot. Like, yeah, sure, you can buy a new wedding ring. It can be replaced. But it means something to me. And so I was like, okay, well, that's fine. But what, what if someone takes my wedding ring? And Chris is like, well, just don't ever take it off. If you don't take it off, they can't steal it from you unless they, like, rip it off your finger while you're sleeping and wearing it. And that's not likely. So he's like, just don't ever take it off. So I haven't. The only time I take my ring off is uh, when I make meatloaf because who wants raw meat stuck in their wedding ring? I don't know. I don't. So that's the only time I take it off. So it stayed on. But why? Because it's valuable to me. Like, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to just set it down somewhere and say, well, I hope no one takes it. Like, you wouldn't do that. And that's what we need to do with our salvation is to treasure our salvation in a way that we find value in it because it's valuable. It's not a novelty. It's not something that you just get. I mean, you can, but you have to receive it. And once you have it, hold tightly to it because it matters. It's a value. It's of high value because Jesus is of high value. And because Jesus is of high value, it makes you of high value. In the Bible study of the armor of God, Priscilla Shire, who's the author, writes, Your identity is your weaponry. Putting on the helmet of salvation is akin to knowing who you are in Christ, fortifying your thinking with it, and living in a way that is congruent with it. When you do this, you break the enemy's stronghold and also tap into the power to deflect future attacks. Your identity is your weaponry, and your identity is wrapped up in your salvation because of who Jesus is. I want to take a minute and just read to you some things that are found throughout Scripture that speak to who you are. This is all from the Bible, all the Word of God, and I want to read these things over you. And as you listen to them, take note that this is who each and every one of you are because of Jesus. You are a child of God. You are united to the Lord, one spirit with him. 
You have peace with God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You're a member of Christ's body. You have access to God's wisdom. You are a saint. You're helped by God, hidden with Christ in God, reconciled to God. You're not condemned by God, but you're chosen by God, holy and dearly loved. You're justified. You're a child of the light. You have Christ's righteousness. You're holy and share in God's heavenly calling. You're Christ's ambassador, sanctified, completely forgiven, tenderly loved. You're one of God's living stones being built up in Christ as a spiritual house. You're the sweet fragrance of Christ to God, a member of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession and created to sing his praises. You're a temple in which God dwells, blameless and beyond reproach, firmly rooted and built up in Christ. You're the salt of the earth, the light of the world, a branch on Christ's vine. You're Christ's friend, chosen by Christ to bear fruit. You're a joint heir with Christ, sharing in his inheritance with him. You're born of God and the evil one cannot touch you. You have the mind of Christ. You may approach God with boldness, freedom, and confidence. You've been rescued from Satan's domain and transferred into the kingdom of Christ. You've been made complete in Christ. You've been given a power of love and self-discipline. You have been given great and precious promises by God. Your needs are met by God. You're a prince or princess in God's kingdom. You've been bought with a price and you belong to God. You've been adopted as God's child. You have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. You can be assured that all things are working together for good, that you're free from any condemning charges against you. You cannot be separated from the love of God. You've been established, anointed, and sealed by God. You're confident in the good work that God has begun in you, and it will be perfected. You're a citizen of heaven, a personal witness of Christ, God's co-worker. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly realm, God's workmanship. And you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. That is the word of God. And that's who you are, and that's what you have because of him. See, when we're properly fitted with faith and love over our heart and fitted with the helmet of salvation over our minds and we understand the fullness of our salvation, then we can and we must encourage one another. It says to encourage the hearts of your fellow believers and support one another. And you can't do that if you're not fitting yourself with faith and love and the mind of Christ. When we trust in Jesus we lo- and we love others and we understand who we are through Jesus, we're no longer threatened by each other. But instead, we care for and encourage each other. And these days, people need to hear the love of Jesus more than ever before. I have an excerpt from an essay that C.S. Lewis wrote. And this was written in the year 1948. And I believe that it's, it can speak to where we are today just as relevantly as it did in 1948. It says, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, why is you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year? Or as you could have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night? Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, in age of air raids, in age of railway accidents, in age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before this atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. 
We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors and ascetics, but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and, which, and in which death was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends, or a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. And you know, yeah, we've got COVID happening right now, but this is just one thing in the life that we live that we might encounter. Every single day we encounter things that could make it be the last time that we breathe a breath on earth. Jesus could come back tomorrow. So what are we doing with today? How are we living today? Are we living today looking at one another and beating each other up? Are we walking around wounded and hurt? Or are we putting on faith and trust in Jesus and putting on love for one another, guarding our hearts, guarding our minds and understanding who we are in Jesus and we get to live that out each and every day. So this morning, I just invite you to all stand across this room I have a couple questions that I want to ask you this morning. The first one is, are you living in the dark, unprepared for Jesus to come back? Or are you walking in the light? Today I invite you to walk in God's light. He loves you. He died for your sins. He rose again. And he gives you an invitation to live with him for eternity and to live in the blessing of his salvation through your everyday life. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask that as we pray in a moment, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, that he will forgive you of your sins. And from that moment, you get to walk in the light. You don't have to become a child of the light. That's just who you are because of him. So we're all going to bow our heads and we're all going to repeat this prayer. And if today that is you, believe it in your heart and speak it out loud because God invites you to that today. So would you all across this room just pray with me? Say, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I give it to you today and lay it at the foot of the cross. Help me to live for you and to live surrender to you. It's in your name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, if you just pray that prayer, you made the greatest decision of your life. Because you don't have to walk in the darkness any longer. You get to walk in freedom and salvation that he can give you. So you're an heir of God and every blessing that Jesus has is yours. So this morning, if you prayed that prayer, would you just raise your hand? This isn't to embarrass you, but we have a gift we want to give you because we want to walk with you on this journey of becoming more like Jesus. So we just have a book that walks you through a few things and lets you know how much Jesus loves you and how much he truly cares for you. But for the rest of us, 
I want to ask you this. If you're a child of the light, how are you walking in it? How are you doing walking in faith in God and love for one another? Are you guarding your heart while not being guarded? Are you walking in the fullness of your salvation, understanding your value, and in turn, protecting your mind? Because that's the only place true peace comes from. So today, if you'd say that's me, I need the Lord to just help me with that. I need him to help me to walk fitted with the right clothing for the weather so that I'm not surprised when things come up in life that I wasn't expecting. If you just need that reminder today to love people and to not keep them at arm's length, but to bring them in close and love them and to trust Jesus, then we're going to pray. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand so that I can see who I'm praying with and so I can agree with you? I'm there. I need Jesus every day, and I ask him every day if he will put that on me so that I can walk ready so when storms come, I can trust him. So if that's you, if you'll raise your hand, and we're just going to pray this morning. Father, I thank you, God, for each one of these this morning who say, I need your help to remain fitted with the proper armor so that when attacks come, when things happen in life, God, when you return, I am walking in the light and I am ready because I'm not surprised, because I am walking in you. God, I pray that you would help guard our hearts and you would help protect our minds, God, as we trust in you, as we love people, as we walk with them, God, as we walk in your peace and we share hope with the people around us, God. Help us this morning. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, church, he is so faithful. He is so good. And I am so glad that you were here with us. Amen. We love you. Be careful what you watch today. Be careful what you listen to and be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. We love you all. Have a great week.